Welcome back to the Say What You Mean podcast series. We're talking with Henry Threadgill, part two of an interview that was done upon the completion and premiere of his guitar concerto, which is being performed at Roulette this Thursday. And he's also written three other concertos that he discusses as well that all are part of one long suite. Don't forget to look at the score that's on the podcast site and also check out the handwritten notes that Henry has filled a notebook with in which he details various permutations, intervallic possibilities that he uses in his writing. So here we are back in Henry Threadgill's living room. when this system became formulated for you was it a long long time it took a long time when did it when did you start saying i need to develop something that gets me out of this major minor box that i'm in that was back when i had to make a move with uh brandon and uh tony cedras on accordion and harmonium and stomo was playing um acoustic he's playing electric bass and acoustic bass guitar and JT Lewis because that, that it was at that point I had just like gone as far as I could go with the major minor system in terms of and I had like to, I, that was like what I was doing harmonically had was like it, it didn't even fit into the major minor system I mean you couldn't spell out anything you couldn't say what this the harmonies and things, they just they just existed in their own world and the musicians learned how to deal with them and the implications of them. But they cert- they couldn't be analyzed and it made any sense. You certainly couldn't analyze and say this comes from there or this goes to that. It didn't work that way. So after that, it was right in there when I was like, I just had reached the limit on that. I just couldn't take it anymore. Mm. I stopped fooling around with some other possibilities. I just came across some other possibilities. Basically, I saw some things in Varese's music is what I saw. How he was doing some things like this where he was flipping intervals around. And I thought, I said, you know, I never really just thought about intervals, you know, and I say, and basically, that's what everything is. All music is, is an arrangement of intervals. It's not, you know, you can like you can think in terms of harmonic and scale of your moves, but it's, you're really talking about intervals at all times. You can't escape it, you know. So when I saw what, how he was like, <clears throat> it was a, it was kind of like a, um, a development process, you know, how in you know, classical music, you, they state something and then they go into the development section, and there was just different techniques that's been used in. In development, retrograde motion, and all kinds of little things that you know, uh, expansion, contraction, all these different type of ideas and composition. That I saw how he was—he wasn't use any of those. He wasn't doing anything that anybody else was doing. He didn't use any of the techniques in development. He was—he was flipping these. He was flipping. Uh, that was one of the things he did. A lot of different things. He had his own methods. One of them, this particular one I'm talking about, was. Like if he had C to E, the flip those intervals mean that he put the C on top of the E. It wouldn't be C though; it would be G sharp. 
because he's flipping the interval, not the, the major note. Major third, yes. And so when he put the E on below the C, he's putting A flat below the C. So the ear makes a certain association. Well, uh, yeah, but it was it was a whole new idea for me. I said, you know, because see, remember, so this is non-inversional music. My music is just not, doesn't, you can't use inversion. Everything is in one position only. There is no inversion there. Uh, there's no inversion. Um, it's not possible. C, if you if you had uh, I mean look, C E G. Is 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 not in major minor music. The next, first you got two more inversion E G C and G C E, and all three of those are three different things. C E G has a major third, a minor third, and a fifth. EGC that's already that's got a minor six hmm. a fourth and a minor third so what does that got to do with CEG it's got it doesn't it's not the same thing that only works in a major minor system so and then GCE now you got a major six G to E a major third and a fourth Again, it's, had, it's not related to CEG. It's not related in any kind of way. It's foreign. It's foreign to the EGC. They're not the same thing. So the the uh, the language, let's say, you know, what says if you're speaking French, this is okay. Now when you go over to Latin, that's not working. Or if you go to Spanish, that is not working. You know. chart henry's look reading now from a very elaborate um pencil written intervallic chart that he has uh that's really fascinating to look at so tell us about this so c c sharp d is zero one two yes c being zero c sharp is one d is two now c e g is oh four seven and the numbers for that the DNA number is minus two three three five seven seven. That's when you when you lay out. Um, let's see. Let me find it. Oh, here it is. Let me show you. Yeah. See, once you, I was telling you this. You see, you put that major third above the E flat to G, so you get G B. You put it below like that. Right. So when you do all that, I don't have to do this one out here. I should. What this is is a major third, a minor third, and a fifth. Then this one comes to interplay. G to B is a major third, the fifth, and the seventh. Once I do every one of these, then I look at them and then I find, I say, so what's there? A minor, minor second. There's no major second. There's a major third, the minor third, the major third. There's no fourth. There's a fifth, seventh, seventh. So this, this DNA, these these intervals fits. Everything here and here. 
long as I'm moving, if all of my movements occur out of here, I can go from, I could be jumping around all over the place in all kind of keys and it all fit together. I see. Because everything here is like you and your brothers and sisters all share the same DNA. Okay. See, they all share the same thing, parts of it. This one is a little bit different from this one, right? But these are the only things that exist. There's no fourth. There's no augmented fourth. There's no minor seventh. Yeah. I mean, there's no minor six. There's no major six. It's only this and this only. So that makes that a family. Family, which gives, obviously, the, the that part of the piece coherence. Right. Okay. Yeah, well, it creates coherence at all times because that's how coherence occurs because what is being shared, you know, harmonically or contrapuntally. interesting to see this system that you've developed and and I wonder if you can speak briefly about uh, what other composers might do for themselves to uh, make these kind of breakthroughs because your mind oh. is so original and your your insistence on being who you are and being different is has been striking throughout your career and I think a lot of people admire that. In a broader sense, what is the mindset that leads to this in a composer? You know, you 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 more than like you start off with uh, emulating uh, other artists' works that that you admire, and that only makes sense because it was more than like it was something that was done quite well. You can't feel good about that because it's not you. It's not totally you. You know, you, it's it's a bit of you, but it's not really you. It can be dangerous to do it in terms of uh, being successful or economics, but when you started off uh, in music or whatever, I don't think that was in your mind. I don't believe that. I mean, I think, you know, you, this was something you wanted to do. You wanted to knock the ball out the park. You wanted to write a symphony. It wasn't that, like, you know, so you were going to make a million dollars for it. That was that yes. was not part of the equation, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it had nothing to do with it in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I just stayed with that idea that I really was trying to just get to what was in my mind. Uh, I've always, like, just kept on that. I said, I don't know. I said, it doesn't matter whether it works or not. I said, you know, when I, we have a good, well-documented history of European um, artists, painters, composers, and like when you look at that, you say, some of the, some of the greatest ones never got a penny. Van Gogh. I mean, look 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 at poor Debussy, the greatest. I mean, he was the 
probably the father of twentieth century music. Look at look at the sad situation of his life. Art is a, it's a way of life. It's you know after a while you begin to understand it. it's a way of life, and so you have to let, try to change and manage your life as an artist. It's once you understand that you you learn how to survive because you learn the secret of like you can't manage your life the way people that go to a job and work nine to five. You got to manage your life quite different from that. You you got to learn how to stretch things and like you just have to learn artistic management. Uh, <laughs> well, the words that come to mind listening to you are perpetual self examination mm -hmm. and courage. Yeah. Oh, of course. yeah. You're right. Yeah. I mean, now it's not even about courage anymore. Not for you, no. but initially. Right. Yeah. Right. Once you make the decision that you're referring to. You don't want to make a mistake and cheat yourself. Or, or do what's do what's right by yourself, you know, because you're gonna you're gonna you're the one that's gonna suffer for it in the long run and you're gonna regret it. said this examination the thing about examination is that that's how you can a lot of times see the future you can see your next move you know you can look at your work sometime and say hmm well I never really looked at that I said I wonder if I put this up as a model as I try this as a movement so you know and you can just put something up and examine it and then say and try it out and say oh wait a minute this is a whole nother way of going after things Sometimes you it's things in your music you just didn't you didn't stop to and we don't really I don't analyze the music when I'm doing it it's just coming out I'm just doing it so like when you go back and you look at it kind of analytically uh, some parts you can say wow I didn't know that was going on you know so you see another uh, compositional avenue or approach a lot of times when you do that or you see it. As a result, you can see something as a result that it is not there. It's like what times, like you know, like in, in investigations, detectives would say, "I wasn't so interested in what the what the person said said, but what they didn't say." Yes, you know. Now, has there ever been a time in your career where you felt stuck, where your ideas uh, felt stale and you didn't know where to go? I imagine if so, this process is what moved you forward. Well, every, I've, I've only moved forward. I only move forward because I get I kind of finish finish off what I'm doing. The 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 areas that I'm working in, contrapuntally, et cetera, or harmonically, 
I generally just stay there until I've exhausted it. And then I've just been lucky. Some The next move seems to come up. Mm. You know, I've... Uh, I've advanced that way. I never. It's, it's not. It's not. It's no big jumps in, in what I do. When you go back, if you listen to the music, at least the recorded music, I don't. I haven't jumped. It's really a progression. Yes. Where I move from one thing to the next thing to the next thing like that. You know. Yeah. Well, let me ask you if there's any classical composers besides Verez that you want to point out to the listeners that have been important to you because I know we've talked a lot about how important that tradition has been to developing your improvisational ideas. Uh, I don't, I couldn't point to any single one. I mean, I like so many people. I mean, like in, 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 in other music, in uh, other world music from Japan and, and Bali and different places, I learned a lot from listening to Indonesian music and music from Africa. But the, the harmonic, the European music, you know, the harmonic uh, forms were the big forms, the harmonic and contrapuntal ideas. And and the a lot of the compositional layout, the A, B, a patterns, etc. Architecture, architecture. You know, uh, I was maybe Bartok. Uh, uh, yeah, but I can think of. I mean, all. I mean, you know, back to Beethoven. Even Beethoven and James Brown is so they they so interlocked in my mind together. <laughs> That's beautiful. I see. I always think that James <laughs> Brown was like a really must been an avid fan of Beethoven. Uh, I'd love to. I'd love to invent a world where those two could sit down together and talk. <laughs> I don't know if they could talk, but if you just put their music on, you can see relationship. Ew! Beethoven could get could get on a tonic or get on a dominant, and you'd be thinking the music is going somewhere. He'd be done so much, so many things just sitting on the dominant or the tonic, stacking up so much information over it. That's what James Brown when he would move, you know, he said to the bridge, boom. You say, my goodness, you know, you say all that music was going on on one chord. Same thing with Beethoven, one chord. He just piled up all kinds of stuff, and then when it moved, you say, oh my goodness. But you would have thought that you wouldn't have had no idea that so much was. You would have thought that things were moving and they really weren't moving. He was just stacking up things. Same thing in James. That's why I say that relationship. I always thought of James Brown and Beethoven being so similar. James Brown music would just stack up and stack up, and then when it released, you said he just went to the dominant, or he just went to the subdominant. Now, you know, I thought he was already in it. Yes. You know. Uh, well, the way they deal with time, yeah, is very exciting. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the distribution, yeah, the distribution of, of uh, 
rhythmic ideas and all of the different melodic possibilities. But, you know, it brings to mind the idea that George Russell talked about, a vertical and horizontal music, uh-huh. that the stacking is the vertical right. excitement that's generated. And th- exactly. And then the horizontal is yeah. the time that they that's spend on a well, certain thing. I think, the, the, you know, he probably picked that up like everybody else from, from Bach. Because, hmm. you know, he, he demonstrated that totally in his writing. You know, that, that fugal writing, that's, it was both the up and down and straight across. You know, you say, wow, what, what he was doing going from left to right, but up and down. You say, wait a minute. They, when did, where did this minor seven with a flat nine come from? <laughs> yes. Shocking when you hear that. Yeah. See, he wasn't thinking that way. That was later than the, uh, the so-called romantic period where they started getting off into the harmonies in that sense. But it had already been broadcast in his work. It was already happening. That Bach was thinking. Yeah, yeah he had already done in it. terms of of intervals, right? Not right. in terms of the, the diatonic yes, exactly. chord. Exactly. See, that's how my thinking got turned around ah. uh, from going from uh, make a move to zoo. It was the intervalic thinking. Okay, my thinking. That's where it turned to intervals rather than to and let harmony be a result of that. One of the most important people you asked about composers, one of the most important composers in my thinking has been Debussy. Hmm. Not for what Debussy did, but what Debussy's reason was. Debussy's reason was I do anything I want to do. Hmm. (laughs) That's a great place to stop. (laughs) Thank you. You've been very generous with your time. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) 